Keeping the Nostalgia Alive show is proudly brought to you by the Hoosier Basketball Academy. Want to improve your game and be an elite athlete? Hoosier Basketball Academy, located in the heart of Hoosier Hysteria, provides an excellent opportunity for student athletes to improve their basketball skills. Their goal at Hoosier Basketball Academy is to provide an opportunity for young athletes to reach their full potential and allow them to compete at the highest level. Using their training model, they believe a solid foundation of fundamentals and muscle memory training is critical for the development of elite basketball players. This can only be achieved if you are mentally tough, have a strong work ethic, and are willing to sacrifice countless hours needed to be the best you can be. The Hoosier Basketball Academy offers high-intensity basketball training focusing on small groups and individual attention needed to improve your game, as well as specialized training and drills done at game speed to push you to your limits and improve overall physical conditioning. One of HBA's goals is to improve the skills and abilities of each player trained by focusing on ball handling, proper shooting mechanics, speed, agility, and footwork allowing you to take your game to the next level. This training is for players that are serious about improving their skills. Hard work pays off and gives you the competitive edge in practice that carries over to games against your biggest rivals. In addition to offering training, HBA fields highly competitive travel teams with many teams qualifying for nationals each year. Visit HBAElite.com for more info. Be elite and train to be the best. Welcome to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I am your host, Billy Powell. Today with me is an Indiana All-Star, a member of the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, and an outstand, outstanding athlete, Junior G. But before we get to Junior, um, if you guys have missed any of our shows, uh, we do stream live at ktnaradio.com. And if you've missed any of our shows, we've got them... Uh, 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 cataloged at keepingthenostalgialive.podbean.com. And um, you can see a lot of stuff in there from, from Jim Trout, from Rick Mount, Kent Benson, and, and of course our interview here with Junior G will be on there also, but it will also be streaming at ktnaradio.com. Today's program is brought to you by If It Feels Like Leather, Shoot It, The All-American Life of Roger Kaiser, by Richard Hyatt, which is just, I got the book uh, late last week, and I haven't been able to put it down. Uh, my eyes have been burning. That's how much uh, I enjoy uh, reading that book. So, <clears throat> but once again, today with us is Junior G. Junior, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time out of your uh, busy schedule and helping us keep the nostalgia alive and share your memories of basketball in Indiana. Hey, you're more than welcome, Billy, and it's, it's a great thing you're doing. I, I know the Hoosiers, Hoosier people love it. Tell us a little bit about growing up in Indiana. Tell us a little bit about your family and who introduced you to athletics at an early age. Wow, Billy, that's a really good question. Uh, I've asked, I've actually asked myself that many times. Uh, I come from a family of eight kids, and probably the poorest family in Martin County, <laughs> hands down. Seriously, my my poor dad. Uh, came out of the army in World War II. Of course, I'm a little kid, you know, a little kid. I don't know what war means and all that. And my father was actually an alcoholic and come to find out later on the war causes those guys to drink and whatever. And he had a tough time holding jobs. And they had, my parents ended up divorcing when I was young. 
and uh, my mother basically raised us uh, by herself. And I, I, I don't know uh, what directed me to sports. Maybe it was an escape from, from all the tough times we had at home. My mother never owned a piece of property in her entire life. And my brother Joe, we counted one time, we lived in 17 rental homes by the time I graduated from high school. So we, we moved quite often. <laughs> and and whichever had the cheapest rent, I guess, that my mom could afford, she would never go on welfare. She would never accept handouts. She worked in restaurants waiting on tables. And I used to massage her feet. She'd go to sleep. And God bless my mother. But anyway, Billy, the question about athletics, uh, I really don't know. Uh I don't remember watching it on TV necessarily, but in third grade, that's when it kicked in. Uh, I can remember Mrs. Robinson, Eldina Robinson, our third grade teacher. And I think that's when I fell in love with basketball. Because, man, during recess, I'll tell you, I'd come in that classroom after recess from playing basketball, sweating like crazy in August. You know how hot it is in Indiana in August. Mrs. Robinson used to say, Junior, you've got to you've got to quit playing so hard out there at recess. You're coming in here all sweaty. And I said, But Mrs. Robinson, I love basketball. And, but anyway, that was kind of the start of it. And I don't know what maybe it was a God gifted thing. Uh, I always tell people that our talent, we don't learn talent. We work with what talent we have. And I guess maybe I was just blessed with natural talent. And my desire, uh, that was my out. That was my escape from the tough times was, was sports. And, and But it started basically in third grade, and I don't remember why. I guess I saw a basketball recess and put it in my hands, and I said, wow, I like this. But I can't really tell you. Nobody, nobody guided me there. I didn't have any mentors. I didn't have a dad that said, you know, like my grandson. I I put golf clubs in his hands now on basketball, teaching what defense and offense at five years old. I never had anybody like that. So maybe the good Lord said, Junior G, you're going to be an athlete because that's your out to go to college and maybe become a coach and a teacher. <laughs> That's kind of it, Billy. Give everybody a little bit of uh, an idea of where you're from, as in, like, uh, in in uh, location to Indianapolis. Where where did you grow up at? Okay, uh, we're we're a hundred miles south of Indianapolis, a little town of twenty eight hundred. Uh, everybody knows everybody, and and you know how that is in small towns. Just fifty miles south of Bloomington, Indiana University, between Evansville and Bloomington. On, on the west side of the state. Uh, I grew up in, 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 in a little town, uh, Indian Springs, up, uh, up way up in the boonies. Gosh sakes, I don't know how we survived. But anyway, uh, we eventually moved to Lagodi. Uh, actually, we moved to Lagodi at the start of my third grade. And, and uh, that, that's kind of when I got started. Now, people at shows, I'll never forget this. They said, man, you live closer to shows than you did Lagodi. Why did you guys move to Lagodi? 
<laughs> so I said, I don't know. They said, we could have used you over here. <laughs> but, um, yeah, great little town. Of course, you know, Jack Butcher's the one all-time winningest coach in Indiana basketball history, and I played for him four years and had the great Lester Page, uh, my baseball coach, and uh, a guy everybody loved. And he was my little league coach and all the way through. I was bat boy for the American Legion team. And, and he was like a father to all of us kids. Was there? So a, that, go ahead. Was there a baseball team that you followed, or how? What uh, what became a baseball? How did how did baseball come to your life? Well, uh, one day in the summertime, I heard by word of mouth around town that there was this thing called Little League Baseball. And I used to see these guys walking around with their baseball bats and gloves and everything. I thought, well, I'm going to go up there and see what's going on. And I went up there. Mr. Page, he handled the whole program. There was no fathers running teams like they do today, no uniforms. You just all go up there, and Mr. Page divides you up, and you get a captain of the team, and you name your team and whatever. And so I went up there, and I thought, wow, this looks like fun. And... uh so Mr. Page, he, he told us, he said, I'm going to put you on a dip, on teams and we'll have a league. And he umpired and ran the whole show. And then my, my second year, I got to be captain. Well, the New York Yankees were, were champions. I heard about Mickey Mantle and all those guys. And so I named my team the Yankees. <laughs> and, we, and we won the Little League Championship. And we got these little uh, 50 cent medals, I think, that said <laughs> Little League champions. But yeah, that's kind of the way I got started. I just saw a bunch of kids and heard word that there was a thing called Little League Baseball. Of course, I love baseball. People used to say, which sport do you like the best? Basketball, baseball. I said, depends on when the season is. If I'm in the baseball season, that's my thing. And uh, But anyway, uh, that's that was kind of it. Junior, when did you first play organized basketball? I mean, I know there was no such thing as AAU back then, and and did you, did you and, and before schools or before you got into organized basketball, did you play just at at hoops and yards and on barns, or how did that work out? I'll tell you, Billy. When I was little, probably fifth, sixth grade. Now, I actually was on a team in fourth grade at Lagodi, and one of the big big deals with me. I got to play on the sixth grade team there a a few games. But anyway, I used to go to the outdoor courts. I lived on the outdoor courts. Literally lived there. I'd go home at lunch, get a sandwich, go back and play another three or four hours. But on Sunday, all these Korean veterans were back in Lagodi and they played pickup basketball at the outdoor courts at the old Lagodi High School. So I'd go over and I'd shoot on a side basket and I'd watch them some and then I'd shoot some. And one day they only had nine guys <laughs> and they hollered, hey, kid, you want to come over here and play? We need another player. And boy, I couldn't wait to get there. But, Billy, it's kind of funny. I don't know why, but I, I thought if they ever need another player, I'm going to pass the ball every time I get it. So I went over there, and they put put me on the team. And, man, every time I got it, I passed it to somebody else. They loved it. And I never took a shot. I don't think I shot one time that first first Sunday that I got to play. 
Well, from there on, some of those guys started picking me. We'd have 12, 14 guys there, and they, they started picking me because they knew I'd pass them the ball. And, and anyway, I, I, I kind of credit that to uh, my uh, skill of passing the ball was looking for other guys to get the ball to. So that was kind of the start for me as far as organized. And, uh, again, Lagodi Elementary had a, had a fourth-grade team. We played, you know, six or eight games. And then uh, we got moved up to a couple of us got moved up to sixth grade. And then I played on the eighth-grade team for three years. Butcher used to take me out of the health class last period and let me work out with the eighth-graders. And uh, But anyway, that's, that's kind of how I got started. What was going on, if you recall, what was happening in the state of Indiana about that time that, uh, you know, you're getting ready to start high school? I mean, what was Indiana high school basketball like? Was that, would you say that was the kind of the golden age of uh, Indiana high school basketball when you were coming up just before you started high school? Well, it's kind of hard for me to say. Uh, I didn't know who Bobby Plump was. Uh until later on. I didn't know about Milan. Uh, all I knew was Lagodi Lions played on a Friday night, and I one day wanted to wear a uniform said Lions. And I actually became student manager. I, I used to get in the games free. I couldn't afford to get in the games. So our janitor uh, knew I loved basketball and used to come to the grade school games and watch me. And, so he'd let me in free if I'd mop the floors with those big old mops. And then I was tickled to death to do that. And uh, finally, uh, I'd go over to watch Butcher's team's practice when I was in sixth, seventh grade. I'd spend all three hours watching his practice just to be able to shoot the, shoot the indoor baskets. Uh, finally, uh, he said, hey, you want to help the student managers? You can, you can ride on the big yellow bus and help out with the student managers and go to the games. Well, I was in heaven. But the only real thing I knew was just the Lagodi Lion basketball, and that was my motivation. I wanted to play uh, Wilmer Whitmer and guys like that I idolized back then. Larry Reynolds at uh, St. John's, they were my idols. I wanted to wear that uniform. And, you know, that's just kind of the way I got into it. I didn't know a lot about college basketball or, you know, I'd, I'd catch a game on – Channel 4 out of Indianapolis on the weekend over at the local store. We didn't really have a decent TV, so I'd go over there and sit all afternoon watching Game of the Week. But that's kind of the way it started with me and the way I saw saw basketball. It was mostly just our little circle there in Lagodi. What was the tradition or the history like at Lagodi before you got there? Well, I did hear about Jack Butcher. Uh, now, his class his senior class, they had won all four sectionals. I know uh, I've heard he played on three of them. And uh, he went to college. And I actually, one day I was watching a college game, and the, the uh, Mr. Larkin at Larkin's department store, who would allow me to watch TV over there all afternoon on Saturdays, he said, hey, he said, Jack Butcher is going to be on TV today. And, uh, and I said, well, who's Jack Butcher? And then he went ahead and told me about about Lagodi basketball those four years, and then that he was at Memphis State. So that's when I, I saw Jack Butcher play at uh, 
from Memphis State at the Larkin department store. And, uh, you know, that, that that's kind of uh, basically my, my, my start. So did you have instant success once you got to Ligoti with basketball? I mean, I mean, uh, tell us about, uh, uh, you know, g- uh, getting in there as a, I mean, you, you went there as a freshman, correct? No, no, okay. no, 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 no. I, I started there in third grade and I just worked my way right up all the way through. I was always a Ligoti guy. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, I, there again, uh, I, I just think I was blessed with natural, God-given ability. Nobody teaches you reflex. No, nobody teaches you good eyesight with peripheral vision. Uh, it, it's a, it's a gift, and and I was kind of blessed with that. Sports always came easy for me. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you can take a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. Well, they took me to sports, and and I drank a lot. Uh, I loved it. I loved it all, and and consequently, being naturally athletic, I kind of have an advantage over the average kid. So I, I I had it pretty instant success. You know, I like I say, I I started on the eighth grade team three years, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. That is unheard of, and uh, it was simply because I was blessed, and I guess I had coaches who recognized natural talent and gave me that opportunity and that's really what it's about getting the opportunity and then if you have the skills then you'll be successful and that's that's kind of where it was at so sports came easy for me I and that's why I wasn't a great coach because I didn't understand mediocrity <laughs> junior what- I, I didn't I, I didn't understand back then that you can't take the plow horse and win the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> <laughs> Junior, where'd your name come from? I have no idea. Actually, my dad, well, I guess I do. My dad's name was Lloyd. My name is Lloyd, and I'm a junior. I hate the name Lloyd. Oh, it just makes me feel old. It, it always made me feel old. Now that I'm old, I still don't like it. And, and anyway, it, it, I guess it's like Dale Earnhardt Jr. They call him Junior. And uh, it's kind of unique, I guess, but, uh, you know, that's why I named my sons Michael and David. Very simple, easy to spell, no question, you know, Mike G and David G. (laughs) What was the atmosphere like um, at Lagodi when you'd go to watch a basketball game? Was it hard to get a ticket? Were were the fans just uh, out of their minds? Take us, give, give the listeners an idea of what the atmosphere was like when you would play basketball in your home gym. Well, uh, when I used to go to the games uh, back in 6th, 7th, 8th grade, the teams were okay. Not great. Uh, Good crowds, not packed. Now, when I started playing, I I started as a freshman. I played on all three teams as a freshman, JV, varsity, and freshman team. Of course, the first seven or eight games, I sat on the bench in the varsity and then Butcher started me after that. Of course, then I didn't play on the JV. Back then, you could play four quarters in one night. So you play two quarters on the JV. Back then, it was called B-team. And then he saved you two quarters for the varsity. 
well, those first six or seven games, he could he didn't need to save two quarters, but he did. But he finally started putting me in the starting lineup. And, of course, we, we had a lot of success. I, I think we were, uh, in my high school career, we were 83 and 12, something like that. And, you know, when you win, people start coming to the games. Uh, everybody likes to say their team's a winning team. And we had my good course, Lagodi Jim. <laughs> it only seated about 800, 900, and we'd have about 1,000 to 1,100 people standing room only. So, yeah, once we started winning, uh, of course, we won the sectional my sophomore year, and that really kind of kicked off basketball in Lagodi was when we beat the Hatchets at Washington in the sectional there. And that was, uh, you know, the first sectional championship, 12 years. And uh, that kind of kicked it off. And I, I like Butcher will tell you that probably was the start, especially of his coaching career. And we had, you know, standing room only every game when played at home. Yeah. So that that was kind of it. You know, when you when you started getting in the regular rotation and starting, you know, uh, I mean, as a freshman, did you ever take any time and just stop and look at the crowd, the opposing team, and, and take it all in? Or or from that point on, was it kind of a flash? Well, that's a good question. You know, I've played in, I've played before 18,000 people. Indian All-Star game was 14,000 up in Hinkle Fieldhouse. But, you know, crowd never affected me. I never really, I was so into playing the game. It was like it was the last penny in the vault and I needed it. And my focus was so much on the game that I, I hardly noticed the crowd. Uh, I've coached kids who were waving at their girlfriends, you know, and, uh, hey, man, I'm out on the court playing, man. That's, I'm focused on on what I'm doing. So it's kind of hard for me to say because uh, I didn't really recognize the crowd per se. I uh, knew they were there, of course. And uh, I, I got a letter one time, Billy. Uh, when I was a freshman, I got an anonymous letter. And this letter said, I've watched you play all through elementary and grade school. And I know you're going to be a good player. Now, I'm a freshman, okay, when I got this letter. And it said, I know you're going to be a good player, but I always want you to remember this. There's going to be a lot of little eyes watching you. Other elementary kids who will idolize you. And you need to set a good example for those kids. And your conduct on the court and off the court will have a big, big effect upon these little kids. And you know, Billy, I never forgot that. <clears throat> I never left the huddle walking out on the court. I jogged out on the court. I always hustled. And that letter motivated me and made me think a little bit. Never, ever found out who wrote that letter. I had a little suspicion, never found out. But I, I always remember that even when I went to college and played in independent semi-pro ball afterwards, I always remembered that letter. Be a good example 
for those that maybe don't have your talent or want to be good. That's that's kind of where I was at. Man, great letter, and also even better that as a freshman you took that to heart and kept that with you. Oh, it was it was it was whoever wrote that letter, Billy, knew what they were doing. And and I took it to heart. Oh, I never ever walked from the huddle to the center of the court. Always jogged out there because I that letter said little kids are going to be watching you, and you want to set a good example. And and uh, I I remember Coach Butcher told us one time. He said, "Now guys, we got a game on a Friday night. You need to get home and get off of your feet and rest." Get those legs off the floor and relax. You'll have more energy. You'll have your legs will feel better. And Billy, till the day I quit playing basketball, independent ball after college, I go. I'd make sure I got. I laid down for at least an hour to relax. And of course, to 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 us, Jack Butcher was the gospel. And and if he said jump, you didn't say how high you jumped, you know, or you didn't say why. And and when he when he told us that, I never forgot it. And and I was always proud of my dedication. People say, well, what are you most proud of? I said my loyalty and dedication to sports. And I always tried to set a good example for younger kids. And- since you got, you know, you've talked about Coach Butcher here a little bit. What was he like? Was he a father figure to you? Was he, a, uh, you know, what what was his coaching style like? I mean, what I mean, was he the same on the court as off the court? What did he mean to you, Billy? That is a really good question. Jack Butcher was not a father a fatherly uh, image to me or any of the players, basically. He's a Kind of a complicated guy. He's quiet in his own way. Uh, I think where he and I hit it off good is we both really hated to lose with a passion. It hurt to lose. And we both were on the same page from that standpoint. Coach Butcher does not pat you on the back hardly at all. He expected dedication and hard work and strive to be better than you were the day before. So he didn't accept complacency. And and he wasn't a rah-rah guy. And, you know, I asked him way after I was out of college. I asked him one time. I said, Coach Butcher, I don't remember you raving and ranting to us during the game or hollering at us during the game. You used to race heck with us in practice, getting us ready. And you might throw a chair or something once in a while. But anyway, I I said, I don't remember you really getting up on the sidelines. He said, you know, when I started coaching, I said, what kind of a coach do I want to play for during the game? And he says, I wouldn't want a guy hollering at me all the time while I'm out on the court playing the game. And he said, I took that into my coaching. 
And I said, wow, that would be a good advice for young coaches. What kind of guy do you want to play for? You want a guy screaming at you during the game? And I've even told kids that are going into coaching, I said, be the kind of coach you'd want to play for. That's my advice to you. I told a girl out of a college who was going to be a coach. I said, I want to tell you something. Be the kind of coach that you would want to play for. That's my advice. She said, wow, I've never heard that. But I kind of took that from Jack Butcher. But he was tough. He expected nothing but dedication and hard work. And that's why he was, that's why they had so much success, along with having talented players. But we knew what he wanted. You know, I have... I, I've interviewed a lot. I've interviewed a lot of people from a lot of places in the state of Indiana with this great game of basketball. But I think, from the people that I've interviewed and from the knowledge that I've received, what is it that drives the competitiveness down in that area of the state? That you know, there's you know those teams down there in the <clears throat> in that Lagodi area. I mean, there is a competitiveness. There's a, there's maybe a little bit of a hatred, a lot of jealousy. What drives that down there? Well, you know the way I look at it, Billy, when you're from a small town in southern Indiana, there's not a whole lot to do. (laughs) There's not a whole lot to do. You know, you go to a game on Friday night. That's entertainment. (laughs) And and if you're an athlete and you have a packed house, that's kind of fun to play in front of. It's a big deal. In a small town, small towns are great uh, because everybody knows everybody. And you got to, and you know, if you're an athlete, you got to interact with those people whether you want to or not because, you know, you see them almost every day. And, 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 and you want to perform, you want to do well because that's the thing going on in that town. Your little towns like Lagodi revolve around basketball. It really does. Well, actually, our country revolves around sports when you really stop and think about it. But in small towns, and, and Billy, when you win, your chest goes out, people walk around town, how proud they're able to tell their neighbors from shows in Montgomery and Odin or wherever, we got the best team. And and it's a sense of pride because there's not a whole lot going on in those towns. When basketball season's over, it's kind of a blah. (laughs) but But it's great. And as an athlete, it's a big deal. It's like life and death when you play those games. And when you have a guy like Jack Butcher coaching you, Jack Butcher coached like it was life and death. And you know, when you're hungry, you're going to be more successful. A hungry dog will find food. And no matter how fast he has to run to get it, he will. And and Jack Butcher coached like that. And as a player, man, you learn that. You better learn it if you're going to play for him. But small towns, I love small towns. I still love going back to my little hometown and seeing the people. And there's still old folks there that haven't forgotten me. And it's pretty cool. 
Junior, what was it like? I know you enjoyed playing in your home gym, but um, did you get pumped up? And uh, or, and how did you get pumped up to go play at some of those other gyms that had, you know, just as uh, 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 spirited fans as those at Lagodi? Well, like I said before, Billy, I didn't. When they when that referee tossed that ball up, my focus was on that ball and on my opponent. And crowds never, ever bothered me. I never got nervous because there was 4,000 people at Washington and only 1,000 at Lagodi. I just never, it never bothered me. And maybe that was one of the reasons I was pretty successful in the game is outside forces didn't affect me. And I don't know why. I know some guys get nervous as a cat. And I say, hey, guys, they're human like us. They may be from a bigger town, more people here. But but it never bothered me. And, and I focused on the game that I loved and had a passion for and hated to lose. If, Billy, if you don't hate to lose, you might be a loser. <laughs> what kind of tournament success did you got? Did you have while you were at Lagodi? Well, uh, of course, we won the sectional. But you never forget the first sectional you win. And even Johnny Wooden, the great UCLA coach, I've read in a book where he said there's nothing like winning a sectional in Indiana basketball. Can you believe Johnny Wooden said that? He said, man, winning that sectional for your hometown is just nothing like it. And for him to say that, that's pretty incredible. Guy won, what, nine championships in 11 years? But anyway, uh, of course, we won it my freshman year, beat those Washington hatches. We were taught you hate the hatchets. <laughs> Lagodi had never beaten the hatchets in the history of the school. Oh, wow. Even during Jack Butcher's three sectional championships he played on, they didn't play the hatchets for some, you know, they didn't happen to run into each other during those three years. So my first, my sophomore year was the first time ever beat the hatchets. And, and Billy, that was climbing Mount Everest. That was a biggie. And we were probably underdogs of 10, 12 points, and we win by 28 points. And, and I don't know why. We, we should have been scared to death of them. But there again, my focus was on playing the game. I wasn't nervous going into that game. I don't know why I should have been. We were playing the Mighty Hatchets. Nobody told me we couldn't beat them. I didn't know. Nobody said we've never beaten the Hatchets in the history of Lagodi basketball. Man, I knew I had a game to play. And, and Jack Butcher brought us together, man. That, that was precious. A precious win. And then we come back our sophomore year and won that again uh, against the Hatchets. And, 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 of course, the heartbreaker of my lifetime has been losing my senior year to the Hatchets. Uh, when we were undefeated, we averaged winning by 30 points a game that whole year. And we just we had a nine-point lead at the half, and, and, and it was one of those games. All of a sudden, the basket got smaller than the ball. 
that but that's been a heartbreaker for me to this day. And and we were we had a really good team that year, and uh, but I was very fortunate to to play for Coach Butcher, uh, whose life was basketball, and it, it trans transferred to these players because it was kind of like life and death. And man, I lost the game. I I didn't want to talk to anybody. I I cried on the way home. And and, uh, that's why coaching is so tough today. Kids have so many other things, computers and cars and money and cell phones, and and, uh, they aren't as dedicated because they have so many other things to do. My life was basketball. I slept with my basketball. That was my life. Junior, when did you get on the uh, college map, and do you remember the first letter you got from a college wanting you to play either baseball or basketball for them? My junior year, I got some contacts, uh, some interest. And and then my senior year, oh, my goodness, uh, <laughs> I was getting bombarded uh, with letters from I, – I, I probably got – 50 letters from the city of Evansville from doctors and lawyers and business people and former players and everything. And, and, and I was just getting, matter of fact, coach butcher finally told some of these scouts and so forth, you got to lay off. Uh, and, and I wasn't a great student. Uh, I didn't have a home environment conducive to, to learning, I can remember sitting in class, couldn't wait till till the bell rang to dismiss school to get to the gymnasium. That that was foremost for me. But anyway, uh, my senior year, oh my goodness, uh, um, it was mind-boggling. Phone calls, uh, letters. The Van Arsdale twins. One one Saturday, they, I have to tell you this, Billy. Uh, my senior year. One Saturday morning, there's a knock at the door. My mother was working. We lived in this really little house. Oh, my God, it was so small. An old black and white TV. Uh, God bless my mother. But but I opened the door, and standing there was these six-foot-five, 225-pound twin brothers that I saw play at Indianapolis for the state championship who played for IU, the Van Arsdale twins and Jerry Bass. <coughs> and and anyway, one of the Van Arsdale said, hey, Junior, we just stopped by. Uh, we're going through Lagoda here. And Coach McCracken said, hey, see if you can find out where Junior G lives. And just stop by and tell him hello. Well, we had this old couch. So I, ha- I invited him in. Of course, I had to. And I, I knew the Van Arsdale twins would probably sit down on that couch. And I've told this so many people. I said, I just prayed that couch didn't fall through. <laughs> <laughs> just the God's truth. And they sat down and, and it didn't crash in. And I thought, <laughs> oh, thank God. But anyway, they were, they were down there recruiting for Coach McCracken. And, and that's just an example of, of, of what went on and, of course, I met Tony Hinkle, and he invited me up, and he took me out in his old Cadillac to dinner, and 
And he told me, he says, you know, I think we could find a uniform to fit you. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> he was, you know, he was that old, old type coach and coached three or four different sports. And, and, uh, but anyway, I had some great experiences during recruiting and, and, uh, but it was tough. It was tough. Especially for an 18 year old, I would imagine. Oh my gosh. For an 18 year old who'd never been out of Lagoti hardly. <laughs> so what leads yeah. you what leads you to that decision to be a Miami Hurricane? You know, that's a good question. You know, Billy, Bruce Hale coaching the Miami Hurricanes made three trips from Miami to my hometown. And I was so impressed with him personally as a human being. He he was so kind to my mother. And I went on a visit down there. And Bob Green Construction out of Vinsands, Bob Green was the big guy in Indiana road construction. And he flew Coach Hale back and forth in his private jet. He loaned him his Cadillacs to drive over from Vincennes to Lagodi to see me. And Robert Green had a, a, a winter home in Miami, and his son Robert went to University of Miami from Vincennes. He played high school ball at Vincennes, went to Miami, uh, played basketball on the team. So Mr. Green had told Bruce Hale about me and said, you need to come up and see this Jeep hit at Lagodi. So Bruce Hale came up, watched me play, and he made two other trips up there recruiting me. But you know, Billy, I went to Miami, took my mother, my sister, brother. We, we, they put the, the red carpet out. I met the board president of the university. Rick Berry was there, and, and uh, they took me to play and all that. We had dinner with uh, upscale people. But anyway, Bruce Hale said the magic words, and I always remember this. No other, no other recruiter or coach told me this. He said, I want to tell you something. I want to bring you to Miami to play, not to sit on the bench. And that struck me, wow. Because I know when you go to some of these big schools, IU, Purdue, Purdue and IU were after me so unbelievably hard. But I know they dressed 14, 15 guys at home. And a lot of times you can get lost in the shuffle as a freshman or sophomore or junior at these, because you couldn't play on the varsity as a freshman back then. So when he told me that, Billy, it was, wow. He said, I'm taking you there. I want you to come here to play, not to sit on the bench. And I had never sat on the bench at any level. And that struck with me. That stuck in my mind. And, of course, he was a great man. He said, you're going to get an education just traveling. He said, we'd go from the West Coast of California up to New York and in between. He said, you will get an education just traveling. And you know what, Billy? He was right. Every place we went, Houston, Texas, where you're at, he took, a, he took us to a tour of the Astrodome. Back then, man, that was a big deal, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And we went to California. We got to go across the Golden Gate Bridge. 
Hell, I didn't know what the Golden Gate Bridge was when I was a Lagoti. <laughs> and, and, and we were in New Orleans. We got to see the Mardi Gras. I didn't know what the Mardi Gras was when I was in Lagoti. <laughs> went, to, went to New York City and, and went to Madison Square Garden. Oh, my goodness. And then we went into Canada. Got to go over to Niagara Falls on the Canadian side. Every place we went. If there was something we needed to see, Bruce Hale made sure we saw it. And that man stood behind his word the whole way. Everything he told me, I'm so grateful to have met that man and played for him. And and, and he was such a wonderful man. And you know what? Never realized it, but he was a great player in the old NBL up in Indianapolis. He actually coached uh, a play, was a player coach for the original professional basketball league, and and, and he was a guard, about six foot, about a six foot guard, and and what a great man, what a great man. How so, how how was, how hard though was it to leave the state of Indiana, and did people give you a hard time for doing that? You know, uh, I, I've been asked, do you have any regrets? I have no regrets going to Miami to play basketball. The only regret was that the fans in Lagoity wasn't going to get to see me play. Of course, Billy, back when you're 18, 19 years old, your mind isn't so much on those people caring about seeing you play again. They saw you for four years. You move on. And I never, it never really zeroed on to me that they would really care. Because, you know, when you're gone, it's most kids get out of high school and people forget about you. And I'll never forget, Billy, we played the Louisville Cardinals in the Hurricane Classic. And it was on Channel 3, I believe, out of Louisville. I was told this. Uh, a couple of people called me and said, hey, we're going to see you play tomorrow night. It's on Channel 3 out of Louisville. You know, back then, Billy, you saw a game once a week or twice a week on TV, and that's about it. Right. You didn't have cable TV. And I've heard people today, uh, you know, even this summer when I went back to my golf tournament, couple of guys say, hey, man, I remember seeing you on TV playing for Miami and playing the Louisville Cardinals against West Unseld and Wade Houston and those guys. So you didn't really think too much about it, but I look back and I say, you know, it was too bad they couldn't, the, the fans that wanted to see me play. Now, when we played in Tennessee and Memphis and different places like that, we get a few fans come and travel to the games. But, you know, uh, I didn't really think about that back then not sure it would have made a big difference but i would have thought about it more but i just thought i graduated and move on with my life and the fans would take up the next group of logoti boys and never really thought too much about it but i've had people tell me i'm so disappointed didn't get to see you play in college but that that's kind of it but i i have no regrets man i had a great career got to play ball with rick barry and play for Bruce Hale and, and see the see the United States. 
Oh man, I don't even think you had to say you didn't have any regrets. Just the way that you explained that experience of going to going across the Golden Gate Bridge or going to Niagara Falls or going to Houston, you know, stuff that, you know, you, you may not have done. I mean, you may have traveled by bus in the Big Ten, you know, and not, not have seen any of those sites. That's, a, you know, you're exactly right, Billy. You know, Wisconsin, Ohio, Illinois, that's really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was really, I, I was really lucky and, and we were treated so good. I mean, that, it was great. You know, you know, I want to know more about your hurricane experience, but can you let us in on what was your Indiana All-Star experience like and, 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 and what it meant for you to be named to the Indiana All-Star team? And do you remember where you were when you heard that information? You know, Billy, back, back whenever I finished my high school career, of course, then, you, you know, word got out, uh, you know, you got a shot at making an Indiana All-Star team. And I never really sat and thought about it too much because I thought, well, it's not going to happen. I'm from Ligotis, population 2,800. <laughs> all, the, all the big towns are going to get the votes. And, and wow, I got a phone call. Congratulations, you've been selected in an all-star team. I said, whoa, you got to be kidding me. And, and it, it was like, are you serious? I'm, go I'm playing on the Indiana all-star team? And what a neat experience. Uh, Billy, we, they took us to Indianapolis, and we practiced for 10 days before that first game. They don't do that now. But back then... We, we stayed in a hotel. They wined and dined us. We got to go drive a lap around the Indianapolis track. We had three Ford convertibles. We got to drive one lap around the, the big racetrack up wow. there. They, they wined and dined us, and, and, and we were there 10 days. Can you believe that? Wow. 10 days practicing, getting ready for the Kentucky All-Star game. And now we split games. Uh, we had 14,000. That's when the, the All-Star game is a big deal. Now, today they get five, six, seven, seven thousand people maybe. But cable TV has killed, killed yes. a lot of crowds in sports. I uh, agree. It's just killed high school sports to a great extent. But anyway, uh, that was like going to heaven, being selected an All-Star team. Now, I didn't get to play hardly at all. And, but you know what, Billy? I was okay with that. I, I didn't get angry about it. I was so happy to be on that team. And I never thought, well, I'm getting mistreated. I thought, man, I'm one of these 10 guys out here. This is pretty special. And I was told later, why didn't they play you more? And I got to thinking about it. My mother, my poor mother, and my brother and sister drove all the way to Louisville to see me play. And I played like a minute. I never really thought of it from that standpoint. Later on, they made it a rule. You have to play every player X number of minutes the first half. Because all these families and, and fans. I remember we had an inter-squad game when, when we were practicing. I scored 23 points in an inter-squad game against Rick Jones and me and Louie Dampier. And I was the lead scorer, made the winning basket. We had about 2,000 fans at the practice there at Indiana Central. And yet, I get to play one or two minutes. 
But you know what, Billy? I was just so proud to be on that team. It never made me angry. You know, Larry Bird, I'll never forget Larry Bird. He got the same treatment. Larry Bird said, you know what? I was the best player there. He said that. And he said, they tried to put me in the game the last 60 seconds. He said, I told Coach, I'm not going in mopping up. Wow. He said, and he said, I was the best player there, and they treated me like that. And so anyway, I never looked at it like that. I wasn't angry. I was just happy to be on that team and, and play with those great guys and represent Indiana basketball. You know, once you get down to Miami, I, I want to, you know, I, I mean, was the game any different than it was uh, back home in Indiana? And, you know, you have those perception and reality stories that you always hear. And, and uh, you know, was, was Rick Barry a ball hog? Well, uh, first of all, uh, your comment, getting down there and, and getting a new experience, I've never played against black players. Oh, wow. You know, Indiana basketball basically was white players. Right. I never played against a black player in high school. I go down to Miami in my freshman year, man, we were playing all kinds of black guys. It's kind of a little bit intimidating at, time, at, at, at the beginning. And and because uh, you never experienced it, and you weren't told, you know, you're gonna play against some really quick, big guys, and, and they're different color skin, and that was a big deal back in in, in the '60s. But anyway, uh, Rick Barry, Rick Barry always contacts me and wishes me a happy birthday, Billy. <laughs> and I was out I was out in Austin, Texas, at my son's. And I got a text from Rick Barry wishing me a happy birthday. And I said, Michael, actually, no, it was, a, it was a phone call. I said, I want you to listen to this, Mike. And he listened to it. He said, Dad, that is really cool. Because he knows Rick Barry is a great player, and, and he's, but he's a good human being. Right. But anyway, Rick Barry, was he a ball hog? And and, so, and and no disrespect, no disrespect, but oh, you, you know. no, no, I, I I know that, I know that. Back to whenever I started basketball with those guys from Korea, you give the ball uh, to the guys who can put it in the hoop. Yeah, and I took that to Miami with me. Not bragging, I still hold the records at Ligoti with the, the all-time assist and all that. But anyway, because when I play guard, and I tell kids that play guard, your job is to keep all the other guys happy. They want to touch the ball. It's your job because you got the ball most of the time. Make sure all the other players get the touch of some. That'll keep them happy. Pat them on the back when they get a rebound. When they play great defense, tell them great. Because you're the star player making the most points and the accolades and newspapers, but you got to keep your teammates happy. When I went to Miami in my sophomore year, I was fortunate to be picked to start on the starting five. Uh, and, and there's Rick Berry, All-American. And I knew right away, Bruce Hale put me on that varsity starting lineup because I could see and pass the ball. He saw me play in high school. And my job was to get Rick Barry the ball. 
one of the greatest athletes to ever play sports, not just basketball. And you talk about dedication. Rick Barry was, uh, he was, well, I had to say it a lot like me, dedicated 100% training, hard work, total dedication. On the road, I room with him in New York. He said, the lights are out at 10. That's okay with me. <laughs> and, and there's none that's crowding around and all that stuff. But Billy, I've never seen an athlete like Rick Berry. He'd beat you at anything. Tennis, shoot pool, play ping pong, hit a golf ball, baseball. I'll take Rick Berry. You can have anybody you want. We'll pick 10 sports. I'll take Rick Berry. But the thing I admired about him was his dedication to what he was doing. And he was a brilliant-minded. He was an A student. But, no, he was a ball hog is a guy who's all about himself and not team. And that's not Rick Barry. He led the Golden State Warriors to the NBA championship. Billy, he was the only white guy on that team, and they voted him captain. And he got MVP of the NBA championship. Well said. Rick Barry Rick Barry's a little complicated because people that don't know him, they think he's a little selfish. They don't like him because he's hard nosed and when he he wants to beat you bad. He wants he doesn't let up. But I admire that man to this day. And I always did. But we had some jealousy. There were a few guys envious and jealous of him. But not me, man. I admired him because all athletes should have the dedication that Rick Barry had. And for him to call me every year and wish me a happy birthday, that's pretty cool. This guy was 14 years in the NBA, one of the greatest of all time. And... and, uh, uh, no, he was not a ball hog, and I know what you're talking about. You know, I, the, I love the I love the stories that are out there where there's a perception, and I just wanted to get a, a, an idea of what the reality was. So it's you know it's always it's always interesting to hear the truth. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, Rick Rick has a personality that that can that can get under your skin if you don't know him, and you don't know the kind of guy he is. I saw a, a video the other, uh, not a video, but on ESPN, they were interviewing him. I didn't realize it, but he's practicing for the long drive contest in, in golf. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> but that's that's his competitiveness. Right. And he, all, he, wanted to be, he always wanted to be the best, but he, he always paid the price. And that's the thing I admired about him. A lot of people are envious of him or jealous because he's so good, but he paid the price to be good, along with being, you know, God-gifted in talent. And I admired him. Oh, my gosh. I, 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 I just admire Rick Barry. Unbelievable. So, Junior, what were your teams like uh, uh, in Miami? Well, uh, my freshman year, my freshman year, we were 22 and five. Of course, I had Rick Jones from Muncie, Indiana on my team. 
Uh, I think I averaged 25 a game my freshman year. Then my sophomore year, of course, I had to go back to passing the ball. (laughs) 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 But you know what? That's okay. I average average about 10 a game uh, my sophomore year. We were 22 and 4. But unfortunately, uh, due to a guy from Ohio, we were uh, put on probation. uh, So we didn't get... We didn't get to play in the NCAA tournament, but we were 22 and four that year. Of course, that was Barry's senior year. He led the nation in scoring. He averaged 37 a game. I, I watched him. I helped him score 50 points a game a couple times uh, <laughs> that senior year. Of his. And, and, uh, matter of fact, yeah, he hit 50 against Houston. <laughs> and and uh, but anyway, uh, uh, now my junior and senior year, we were just okay. Billy, we were, uh, I think, 16 and 11, 15 and 11. Uh, I averaged 17 my junior year. Of course, we lost Barry, and, and I needed to pick up the score a little bit to help out. Uh, but still, my main job was to, uh, was to take care of the ball and get it to people and so forth. And my senior year, I, I averaged about 11 a game. Uh, again, I was a quarterback. And uh, I missed the thousand point club by like forty five points, but I got need in a game in my thigh, broke a blood vessel, and I missed five games, and that kept me from being in that thousand point club. So I always say, well, I'll count those five hundred I scored as a freshman. We'll we'll, we'll count those. <laughs> but, <laughs> no. <laughs> So anyway, uh, uh, I, I got to count those 78 as Ligoti when I was a freshman. <laughs> but, you, you know, there, but anyway, you know, there, there's yeah. a you, you you talked about Rick Barry dropping 50 um, against Houston, and I'd like to. Uh, this is a weir- this is a weird way to go into it, but you know, I think if I'm not mistaken, on that Houston team was a player from Indiana from Washington called uh, named Gary Greider. Gary Greider. My now good friend. Can you? I, I've heard the story from Gary. I've heard the story from uh, Coach Dave Small. Can you share the, the story also? Oh, wow, yeah. You know, uh, as a young kid in Lagoda, you, you're, you're told you got to hate the Washington Hatchets all, all through elementary and high school. So you hate the Hatchets. You don't become friends with the Hatchets because <laughs> Lagoda never beaten them. <laughs> So when I got in high school, it's hate the hatchets. Don't be <laughs> friends with the players. Well, we play. I played against Gary Greider three years, and, and he was the leading scorer for the hatchets, sophomore, junior, senior. And I'm the leading scorer my junior, senior year. We beat them the first two years. I never spoke to Gary, didn't know him, just played against him and tried to beat him. And uh, never have never forgiven him for beating me my senior year. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, Billy, even in college, we never spoke. I knew he was a Houston. Played for for a guy, Lewis. And I never spoke to Gary. He didn't speak to me. He was a hatchet and I was a lion. We still hated each other. Of course, I didn't know him. And... Uh, Anyway, I had my best college game out in Houston. Uh, and Gary was on that team. And again, we didn't speak. We didn't talk. 
because we were arch enemies and we were taught don't like each other when you're in the Washington sectional. And that kind of carried over. And it wasn't that I hated him, really. It's just I didn't know him, and, and he was my enemy. I don't like being friends with my enemy. But anyway, uh, I was like 9 for 12 from the field. I had 10 out of 11 free, so I had 28 points in that game. But the only problem was they had Elvin Hayes. Elvin Hayes played in the NBA like 15 years, 6 foot 10. But anyway, uh, Gary and I... But, but the story, you know, what the story is about the letter I found. Fifty years later, right where I'm at right now here in Daytona Beach, I'm in my closet moving some stuff around, and I come across this box. I opened it, and it was all the letters that I had kept that I got it from from people around the United States, colleges and Evansville doctors and lawyers and all this, and I, 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 I started looking through it. You know how it is when you start looking through pictures, you just kind of keep going. So I'm going through there because I wanted to save those for my grandkids. I said, someday my grandkids might want to see these letters. So I even came across an application to play pro ball overseas. And I don't know how that got away. But I, was going back, I, I was going back to Ligoti the coach at Ligoti St. John. So I, I guess I just put that in there with the letters. But, but anyway, I found this letter, what, four months ago. It's a personal letter. And I said, what the heck is this? I opened it up, and I read it. And Billy, big tears start coming to my eyes. I said, oh, my goodness. I don't believe this. This is a letter from Gary Greider's mother, dad, and sisters congratulating me on a great high school career, thanking me for the sportsmanship, wishing me the best of luck in the future, signed by all of them. And I said, I haven't liked Gary Greider all these years, and his family wrote me this letter. I probably got it at the high school. It was... It was the address on the envelope was Lagodi High Junior G Lagodi High School. No zip codes, no address, and it, the principal or somebody brought it to the classroom, gave it to me, and I put it away like all the rest of the letters I was getting. No thank you letter sent back to him. I didn't know anything about writing a thank you letter. And after 50 years, I find that letter, and I'm crying. I'm saying, "Oh my God." Gary Greider's probably a good guy. <laughs> and, and and then Dave Small, who I played American, Dave, Dave Small, a star athlete in Ireland, Indiana, played for the Spuds. He and I played on the Jasper American Legion baseball team. He lives in Tampa, Florida. He calls me. He says, hey, we're going to have a reunion of the American Legion team. And Jasper, you got to come home. I said, who all's going to be there? Mick Stefanado, da-da-da, and Gary, he said, I said, Gary Greider going to be there? He said, Gary says he's coming. I, I told Dave about this letter, and I said, Dave, don't say anything. I'm going to bring this letter with me. I'm going to have a new friend <laughs> after that weekend. 
I read that letter in front of about 25 of us when we had dinner that night. Everybody had to give up and talk a little bit about where they've been all these years and what they're doing. I shared that letter with them, and I read it, and I said, you know who signed this letter? And I said, and I pointed at Gary Greider down at the end of the, one of the tables, and I said, Gary, I think you and I are going to be friends for the rest of our lives. Wow. I told the people, I said, I think I found a new friend. His name's Gary Greider. And I thank Dave Small for bringing us together. But anyway, his sister, Gary, texted me and he said, you know what? Would you make a copy of that letter and send it to my sister in Washington? Not only did I make a copy of the letter, I made a copy of the envelope that had a five-cent stamp on it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but isn't that strange how, you know, things happen? <clears throat> No, and great thank story. God I found that. Thank God I found that letter. And even when we played American Legion baseball, Gary Greider did not play the first year that I played down there after my junior year. Gary was playing for the Washington American Legion or Vincent, <laughs> one of those. So I I didn't play American Legion baseball with Gary that first year. Well, I hit three sixty seven. I batted one hundred and fifty seven times and and won the batting championship down there. I had the best time of my life in baseball uh, at Jasper. Well, my second year was my senior year in high school. Well, then Gary Greider and a couple other guys came in and played on that team. But I didn't play very many games because I got called to the Indiana All-Stars, had to go up there and for 10 days and then play the games. And, and, and then I went to, to Miami to go to summer school to get ahead a little bit. Coach Hale said, come on down. Let's take six credits, and that'll take the pressure off of you. So I didn't really get to know Gary even then, because I was hardly there. And I was working road construction at Vincennes 10 hours a day. But, but we never got to know each other then. But then I found that letter, and Dave Small called us all together for a reunion. That is a wonderful thing. Amazing story. Fabulous story. Junior, what what was your mindset when your college basketball career is coming to an end? Did you want to continue in basketball, and and how did you how did you make that next step once you got out of college? Well, uh, Billy, that's a good question. In in my Lagodi High School yearbook, they always have your picture and what clubs you were in and sports and everything. Then it says ambition. And I had that scrapbook or that uh, yearbook, and it says ambition, basketball coach. And I don't know why I said that back then. I, I guess it's because that was the thing to do after you got out of school. If you were a jock and you loved basketball in Indiana, you you want to be a coach. But it, I I was I got married in college, and my. My wife, Connie, was from Lagodi. We were high school sweethearts. So naturally, we both wanted to go back to Lagodi and see our families. And you're always homesick and all that. So our track, and then I got a phone call in like April offering me the job at Lagodi St. John's. Well, yeah, I'll take that. Did he ask him out if I paid anything? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, we were so excited about getting back home. We wanted to see our people back home, our families. 
my seven brothers and sisters and mom and all that and her family. And like I say, I found that application to play pro ball overseas and and just put it in with the rest of the letters. So I never got drafted. Back then there was, I think, eight NBA teams. Now there's 30-some. And I've had kids where I coached down in Naples, Florida. I, I was there 26 years. And... You know, even up till I was almost 50 years old, I'd go in the gym and shoot. Uh, you know, I'd spend time shooting baskets in there, and, and uh, kids would come up to me, Coach G, how come you never played in the NBA? And I said, well, they weren't looking for 5'10 white guys. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and so, I, you know, I was a good player. Never lit up forty points a game or anything like that. Five foot ten, and my one of my biggest compliments, Billy, and I don't say this in a bragging way. I just tell it like it is. I told you Jack Butcher doesn't pat you on the back, right? Right. We went to the Joe. He and I went to the Joe Toad Rink outing in Huntingburg, Indiana, for all these great athletes of the past, Roger Kaiser and all these guys. And uh, we were invited. So I called him. I said, Coach Butcher, you want to ride down with me? So we go down. We're on the way back, and we're talking about the past. And out of the clear, he said, you know, I always thought you could have played in that league. And I about wrecked a car. (laughs) (laughs) Jack Butcher? Made that comment. Uh, you know, even if he thought it, I didn't know he'd ever say it. But he said, I really, he said, I really thought she could have played in that league. And Jerry Reynolds from French Lake, uh, Jerry coached the Sacramento Kings and still is their color analyst with the television station. As a matter of fact, we're, he came to our baseball reunion, uh, Jasper. And he told me, he says, now I'll be coming to Orlando to do our Sacramento-Orlando Magic game. And he says, I want you and Dave Small there. And Jerry, he said, you know, you could have played in this league. So I took that as a great compliment. And, and uh, whether I could have or not uh, will never be known, but that was Pretty nice compliment. I, I, I cherish those comp- compliments. Now, that's that's Jerry Reynolds, who is the second most popular guy from French Lick, right? Yes, next to Larry Bird. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, and uh, uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, he was commenting on uh, uh, the past at French Lick, how they used to take care of Lagoti, you know, and... and uh, so, so I had Tim Monte's book. I got all the records, <laughs> and I said, "Let me go. In, let me go in there." And Jerry, Jerry was kidding some of the other coaches about how they used to take care of Lagodi and all, and all that. So I went in Tim's book, and it was kind of funny. We got a big laugh out of it. And I go in there, and 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 and, and I said, "For the record, Larry Bird, Larry Bird never ever beat Lagodi." <laughs> And I said, let me check my record. Oh, 
<laughs> Jerry, Jerry, you held me to 32 my senior year. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I, I said, I know dementia sets in as we get older, but I just wanted to let you know, this is the fact. And I actually gave him the score of all the games. <laughs> but anyway, he got a kick out of that. No, I've, uh, I interviewed uh, Jerry, a great guy. And of course, Tim Nante did a, a, a fabulous job with the, of the Princeton book and the Ligoti book. Yes, yes. Thank, very, very appreciative of that book. Uh, 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 Junior, yeah. did you uh, when you were at St. John's? Did you have any success? And did you have to actually coach against Lagodi? Oh my goodness, Billy! Those two years at St. John's is, are dear to my heart. I had, I was fortunate to go to that school for two years. That was the best group of kids. The, the St. John's Eagles, those kids were parented. They had the best parents. They were raised well. And, and kids are a reflection of their parents. We know that to a great extent, unless they have a, a mentor who guides them. But that school was incredible, and I was so blessed to have really good athletes. Wow. And we were 17 and 6 and 21 and 1. Had an undefeated season. And, you know, we beat Lagodi. My two years, I'm just out of college. We played Lagodi in the sectional both years, Coach Butcher's coaching, and, and we won both of those games. But you know something? I'm not proud of that. I know how bad Coach Butcher hates to lose, and I wasn't proud to beat him. I wish, I, I wish we hadn't got, had to play each other. That's how much respect I have for his love for the game. And I never, ever, ever, ever mention beating Jack Butcher's Lagodi Lions. No one will ever tell you I've put my chest out and said, yeah, I beat Coach Butcher. Never. I would never do that because I know how much he hates to lose just like I do. But I was blessed with great players. I thought I could coach. <laughs> I had I had Jack Trout, Jim Trout, John O'Malley, those kids. Oh, and dedicated. I love those kids, not just as players, but as human beings. And Jim Trout to this day. Oh my, see him. He comes to my golf tournament every year. Give him a hug. I love you, man. And this kind of kids I had. And he went to Lagodi after the St. John's closed down. He went up and played for Lagodi, and then went to the state. He was kind of a stabilizer of that team. Leading scores scored 500 points that year. I was so blessed to coach him for two years. And But no, Coach Butcher, I was never proud of beating Coach Butcher. Of course, when I went to North Davies, he whipped up on me a few times in the record <laughs> season. <laughs> and, and, and he probably wasn't proud of that either. So we have too much respect from the basketball standpoint. So what got you to Florida? Well, uh, snow, uh, cold weather in Indiana. <laughs> uh, a, a great, a, a great player from uh, Fort Wayne, Dick Hickox, five foot six, played at Miami, first All American. Finally got inducted in the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. He's told me when I went there, he said, "You're going to get sand in your shoes." I said, "What do you mean?" 
He says, if you go back to Indiana, you'll come back to Florida. <laughs> he was right. And, and, you know, I'm a golfer. I played tennis and, and I'm thinking, and I love the beach. And, and uh, uh, so that, that's why I ended up back in Florida. And you know what? To be honest with you, too, I didn't want to raise my boys in Lagodi with expectations of them, of them being as good as I was in high school. I never, ever expected my sons to put the time in that I did because that's all I had was a round basketball and a baseball glove. I didn't want them to have that pressure. So consequently, they didn't have to go through that. I had two sons who are the joy of my life, and they're happy. They're, they get great families in Austin, Texas now. And my little grandson's five, and I'm telling you, Billy, look out. That kid's going to be something else in sports. And I want him to play pro golf, actually. But anyway, uh, that, that's, that's kind of it. What, what was it like to get the phone call from the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame? Oh, my goodness. You know, in, in 88... I was named to the uh, silver anniversary team. Right. And that in itself, to me, was the top of the mountain. And I was reminded, no, there's, a, there's Mount Everest that's <laughs> called the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. I said, well, now forget that. Uh, in 2003, I come home one day from school put my briefcase down, walked in the kitchen. I saw the light flashing on my phone. Picked it up. Hi, I, this is Roger Dickerson of the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. I just want to be the first to congratulate you. Last night, you were selected to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Very next message, before I could start crying, this is Jack Butcher. Give me a call. Wow. No, I, I got no, no, no. I got Butcher's call first. This is Jack Butcher. I need to speak to you. And I thought, what's Coach Butcher want to talk to me? I never broken his training rules. <laughs> so, so, so then immediately Roger Dickerson came on and said, "I want to be the first to congratulate you." Well, then I later on called Coach Butcher, and that's what he was wanting to do, congratulate me. And but anyway, when I heard this, I hung that phone up. And Billy, I walked, I lived in the condo, and I'm there by myself. I'm walking to the living room crying, the biggest tears you could cry. And I'm saying, oh, my God. I must have said that ten times. Hmm. And then finally I said, I don't believe this. And I flashed back, this is the gospel truth. I thought of all the coaches I had from fourth grade on, I thought of all the guys I played with. And I even thought about all the teams I played against. And I wanted to share that moment with all of those people, including the Washington Hatchets. <laughs> that's the truth. I, that, that's, I had a flashback immediately to those days when I first started playing, when I'd be out on that basketball court on the outdoor in the summertime, 92 degrees, what, and I'm sweating like crazy. 
all the way up through my career. And it was the most incredible feeling that I've ever had on an individual basis. It was Mount Everest. Awesome. And wow, what a proud guy I was. And yep, that, that was kind of, I, I love wearing my Hall of Fame ring. Awesome. I love that ring, man. And I'm so proud of that. And it makes me so proud. I'm almost crying <laughs> of how dedicated, how dedicated I was. And my mother supported me. But anyway, <laughs> I'm kind of tearing up. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. What does Junior G do in retirement? Uh, well, I play a lot of golf. <laughs> I have uh, I have four rental properties I take care of. I have a really nice place in Las Vegas. I'm not a gambler, but I got a great condo. It's 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 up about a hundred thousand dollars for me because I bought it during the the bad time uh, just kind of lucked into it. But anyway, I mean, I have four rental properties I take care of, and and I like the beach, and got a little place here on the beach I ran out on weekends and special events. And, of course, I got my two sons out in Austin, Texas now, so I'll be going out to Texas about every three or four months and working with my grandson. He just turned five. And, and uh, gosh, I don't know. I keep really busy. I, 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 I don't have time to work. And uh, travel a little bit. Uh, always like going back home. Lagoti, of course, Coach Butcher and I have that golf tournament uh, to raise scholarships for two kids every year. And we just finished our twelfth year, and I couldn't believe that either. Uh, and I love giving back, and uh, this is one of our ways of doing it. I still love my little town of Lagoti. Not much there, but I really like the people in my little town. We were chatting a little bit earlier about a website that you uh, suggested me take a look at. It's called Volara.com, V-O-L-L-A-R-A.com. What, what's, what's that all about? And you were just uh, uh, talking with to me also with a, about a Dr. Bergman. Yeah, I, I, I actually came across some people here in, in uh, Sanford, Florida, which is just a half hour away. They got me involved with Malara, which is in Dallas, Texas, up near your neighborhood. And they have these products, uh, the fresh air surround and, and the alkaline water machine that everybody should have, like they do in Japan. Uh, and they have uh, supplements at the New York Yankees. Uh, all these products, I'm, look, I'm sitting here looking at them right now. My fresh air machine, which kills all the germs and everything in your house. A water machine with alkaline water. Everybody should be with alkaline water machines. And anyway, I got involved in it, and I'm, I'm now a distributor. Uh, but my main goal is just to help people. I took both my sons and machines out there to Austin. They got them in their homes so their kids don't get sick and kills all the germs and stuff. So it's been a lot of fun. And uh, just, just help my family and friends. And... I tell you, everybody ought to hear this Dr. John Bergman on YouTube. This guy is incredible when it comes to health. He's not for drugs being put in your body. He's for uh, uh, living healthy, uh, supplements, da-da-da. And, and, boy, everybody should listen to him on uh, YouTube. 
great lecture, education. Education is what this country needs when it comes to health care. That's, that's kind of what I'm having fun with. What do you think about the game, high school basketball game, uh, the state of it in uh, the state of Indiana? Do you wish it would go back to the way? Is it never going to go back to that way? Just deal with it? Well, you know, you know uh, when it first came out that they went class basketball, oh, man, like I, I was like everybody else. you got to be kidding me. But you know what? I think it's the right thing. For example, Bar Reeve. They've gone to the state a couple times in basketball and volleyball and went to state in baseball once, I think. How wonderful that is for that community. That wouldn't have happened with one-class sports. That wouldn't have happened. And, and they say, well, basketball is weakened in Indiana basketball. Well, I'm going to tell you what weakened Indiana basketball. It's called television, cable television. I can turn this TV on. I have two TVs here. I can watch two NBA games at the same time. I can watch a Michael Jordan, a Bird, and Magic, and all those, LeBron, and, uh, you know, guys like that every night. Well, am I going to go to a high school game that I don't know any of the kids anymore? They're maybe just average players. Or am I going to sit at home, don't have to drive my car? Cable TV has really hurt high school basketball from a fan standpoint. And then when you heard it as a fan standpoint, it sort of doesn't become as important to kids because of the technology they have, the cell phones. Every kid, their parents want them to have a better life. They give them more money. They give them a car. And thus, basketball is not always number one on their list. And it's, it's just not like it used to be, and it's not because they're class basketball. It's just the way it is with cable TV and, and, and everything the kids have today. And, and they aren't going to be as good of players. You know, if, if you don't work at something enough, you're not going to be the best. And that's just a reality. But, no, class basketball is the best thing for any state. Uh, yes, Lagodi went to the state under Jack Butcher. Uh, that doesn't happen very often. There's only one Milan. And, and my goodness, these schools going to the state as Class A. What a thrill for those kids for the rest of their life. They can wear that ring or they can tell the stories to their kids. So those people who are from the old school say, well, class basketball is bad. We should have one class. I don't agree with that. We're in a technology world, and that's really what's dragged down uh, to, in my opinion, the, the caliber of play and so forth. So that's where I'm at on that. At first, I said, you've got to be kidding me. Indiana's going to give up one class basketball, but it's the best thing. Junior G, we have, we've gone an extra half hour with extra bonus material. I, I thank you so much for your time. This has been so enjoyable. I'm sure that uh, everybody who listens to this is going to thoroughly enjoy this, and I thank you so much for taking some of your time out of your busy schedule to help keep the nostalgia alive. 
Bill, I, it's been a pleasure. I didn't even know we were going thirty minutes. I didn't know we were going thirty over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going on. We're going on ninety-one minutes. So this is going to be a, this is going to be a pleasure for a lot of those people out there to listen to. Well, I I, I want to thank you for what you're doing, Billy. Uh, this is a great thing. Uh, not not with me, but with all the guys that you interview, the Roger Kaisers, guys like that. Uh, and and I want to thank you personally. I, I hope someday maybe I'll meet you. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I bless you for that, for the work you're doing, and the the, the, the dedication you have to keeping the old nostalgia alive. 